Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 63 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you with me on journey to true Cage Nirvana. That is to achieve the truest, highest, purest state of being and getting as close to the man I call the Golden Hog of Hollywood as possible, Nicholas Cage, as one human can get. How do you do that? By watching all of his films, of course, and getting to know the myth the man, the legend, a little bit better. Hope you're good this week. Um, it looks like on our side of things in the old UK, summer is sort of kind of going. It was here for about two weeks, intense heat, and now we're just getting the rainy days coming back again. Um, for me, coming off a week of uh, off of being off of work, which has all been very nice, but it's been a lot busier than I thought it would be, so not much too much downtime. Got some lovely podcast episodes recorded there, which are going to come up in due course. Uh, had some lovely times out. Saw The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. I thought that was excellent. Really enjoyed it. Um, I think elsewise, we're just still waiting on Pig to drop here again. Hopefully, it's going to drop on the 20th of August at some independent cinemas, so this is going to be as good a time as any to go out, find some new indie cinemas, support independent cinemas in your area at a time when they're going to need it just as much as ever. Um, But outside of that, not too much, just (laughs) dreading that Monday where I have to act like I give a shit about customer service once again, but (laughs) you know, bills got to be paid, y'all, but that's just the way these things are. But Aside from that, we move on to episode 63 this week. We are dipping our toe in to 2013. We're kicking off with The Frozen Ground. My first time watching this, I was joined by Super Marcy, all the way from that there, Australia, to talk all about this one. And it was a lot of fun to record. So we get all true crime. We're talking about the serial killer, Robert Hansen. We end up pitching a brand new Australian crime show whilst discussing some Australian terminology as well. And we gush about the performances in the movie as well as the weird success of the film of how it didn't do too well when it came out but found some recent success via online streaming. So a lot of bases covered here um, but hope you enjoy it. This is the episode, The Frozen Ground. As ever, let's just get the admin out of the way as well. You can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast on instagram at cage rage pod and you can find me on all the usual streaming services uh via the host site acast we're on google podcast stitcher amazon pod chaser apple spotify uh tuned in G- deezer iheart radio and the rest if you are listening on a platform in which you can leave a follow and a and or a rating, please do, such as Apple, such as Podchaser. It really, really helps the podcast grow, and your boy appreciates it. But that aside, let's get into it. Episode 63, The Frozen Ground. It's Daryl Edge, Super Marcy. Enjoy. Duh. 2013 continues, and we visit Cage in his second outing of the year with the thriller The Frozen at Ground. 
This week, Cage stars as Sergeant Jack Halcombe, a state trooper who partners with a young woman who has escaped the clutches of a serial killer in order to bring the murderer down. Now joining me on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to see if the frozen ground is as cool as ice or is just giving us the cold shoulder is film critic and podcast host extraordinaire. It's Super Marcy. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Hey, hey, I'm doing really good. It's it's time to talk some Nicolas Cage. So of course I'm doing very, very, very well. Wonderful. It's always a great day to talk about, uh, talk about oh. Nicolas Cage. Um, even though I suppose I feel like it's worth mentioning at the time of recording now it's 20 11 p.m my time it's about 20 to 8 a.m your time you've been awake for about five seconds Um, I've had a whole day so (laughs) we're on just (laughs) our brains are just on different wavelengths but Cage uh, Cage Senpai the Golden Hog is holding us together um, (laughs) mentally emotionally spiritually (laughs) Um, and we've been we've been chatting a lot off record as well. But um, as I always like to ask new guests onto the podcast, uh, for you, Nicolas Cage, where do you stand on the man? Um, if you could stand on the man, would you? Um, and yeah. you know what? <laughs> you know, interview over. That's that's fine. Podcast that's over. It. That's yeah, the only exactly. qu- that's the only question <laughs> I had. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the man um, we call Nicolas Cage? I absolutely hate him. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's over now. It's over now. Um, <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Uh, I yes, I would stand on him. I'd sit on him. I'd do whatever. <laughs> to me, he's he's god tier. Of course, um, naturally. I have uh, I've probably been obsessed with the man since I was like eleven years old. Uh, you know, we had like Face Off, Conair, The Rock. All those movies were coming out at that time. I'm aging myself very badly. <laughs> Thankfully, I still look like I'm in my 20s, so that's fine. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I used to watch Con Air, like, <clears throat> almost every day. Just cool. loved it so much. I, I'm obsessed with Nicolas Cage. Everything I do in my life is just Nicolas Cage. Basically. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, I, I, I love him so much that... You somehow got into my head this year from four years ago. Yes. <laughs> and started yes. your podcast. <laughs> yes. With the name that I was thinking of calling it, and then I never did it. So I am actually very proud of you for starting this and doing this <laughs> podcast because uh, it takes me forever to get an idea off the ground. So, yeah. So there's a, a four-year interim period. I think worth mentioning, <laughs> um, if you don't follow either of us on Twitter, please do. How links in the description. <laughs> um, and how dare you, obviously. Um, I suppose my first quote-unquote official unofficial Twitter beef was yeah. with Marcy over the naming of the podcast. Um, which like, fo- what are you doing getting into my head four years ago and making this podcast now? How dare you? <laughs> and I said, fuck you. <laughs> Um, we didn't say it was quickly smoothed over water under the bridge um, and now here we are months after the fact now we're best friends forever and now we're we're interdimensional inter-Atlantic cross-Atlantic I don't know oceans whatever wherever 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 Uh, we're connected via the medium of cage as I said at the start it's okay as soon as I said anything I'm like I'm a fucking bitch I'm going to (laughs) apologise to this poor young man (laughs) And we've been best friends ever since. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like water under the bridge, you know, fresh. The, the, 
slates. The pandemic, I think, just made us all crazy. And I know if if we weren't crazy before talking about Nicolas Cage, then we are now. Um, oh, I'm, I'm in... Cage crazy. <laughs> this Cage, this crazy, and this Cage crazy, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of into it. Um, but we're absolutely here now. Um, now, obviously, we're here to talk about the Frozen Ground today yes. from 2013. Um, now, for me, um, as I said to you earlier, I've literally finished this about an hour before <laughs> recording. As this is very fresh in my memory. First time watching it for me. Um, mm. Is this one of Cage's that you'd seen before? Yes. Um, I believe I actually reviewed it when it came out in Australia. So I did see it back, yeah, when it came out. I think it was, it might have been, yeah, 2013 or 14. I can't remember exactly when it came out here. Um, I feel like I had a screener. Right. Because at the time, I think I was writing for a couple of different websites besides my own. So I was getting screeners everywhere. And I was like, Nicolas Cage movie? Yes, please. I'm like, wait, the reteaming of Cage and Cusack after Conair, which Cusack never talks about. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like an incredible reteaming after one of, I think one of the highlight, best action films of the 90s, certainly certainly in a post-speed world. Um, And now we get the reteaming, but this time the the roles are flipped, this time Cage is the lawman, Cusack is the con, mm. but um, and I suppose in some respects Cusack also has a bit of air as well. But it said first time for me, mm. I seem to vaguely remember not trailers for it, but at least seeing posters for this in the yeah. cinema. I I seem to remember the poster. I don't know why it stuck with me, um, but it seems like it didn't really get a release in the US. It was in the UK and clearly with yourself in Australia and around the world and. Um, I don't know, the US just seemed to pass on this for some reason, mm. um, which I can't really find. Um, but it opened, I suppose, almost um, almost eight years ago to the day of recording in the UK. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> July 19th, 2013. It's fated to be. Uh, went to number nine, was behind Monsters University, The World's End, Despicable Me Too, and Pacific Rim. Um, so couldn't couldn't quite top the minions i don't think the uk was ready for that just yet but wasn't ready um, for serial killers no we made a choice and <laughs> historically when the uk makes a choice we don't make great ones um and we continue to not make great ones because we're a country yeah. of um we're a country of patriots um yeah. and also shit sandwich lovers um. So, when, so you know, crumpets and scones and tea and all the other stereotypes, but fucking <laughs> smear them in cack and feces, and we'll fucking cram it down our faces uh, like a baby in front of spaghetti, all over our faces. Um. Unfortunately, that's the kind of people we have running both of our respective countries. Yes. <laughs> the shit sandwich eaters. <laughs> I know, just guzzling it down like fucking pelicans. Yeah. Um. Fuck so it. we're. I know, fuck them, fuck them, absolutely. Fuck off. You know, we, you know, at least Cage is sort of in the top ten. Um, but I was kind of looking at this on his, um, you know, sort of Wikipedia list of filmographies, yeah. filmographies, filmography here, and filmography. it seems like, um, and I've kind of mentioned it before, it's the 2010s where it really kicked off a uh, a, a video on demand period mm. and a lot of underappreciated and underseen films, and I yeah. think. 
on the whole, um, 2013 was debatably the last, I think, solid year he had. He had the Croods, uh, the mm. Frozen Ground, and then Joe after this, which I'll, mm. you know, I'll say until my, my dying day, um, one of the most underappreciated films, one of the most underappreciated Cage films that just no one talks about. Um, so three just solid outings all around. And then we um we move to 2014 when we get um Left Behind, because everyone loves Left Behind. Um when we get oh, yeah. uh Dying of the Light as well, which uh your co conspirator, uh Bede, will be joining me to talk about in due course. Yes, as he well. um he actually told me a little bit about that. I said, That sounds really, really interesting. I, I'm like, I had no idea any of this shit happened with this movie, but okay. I'm looking forward to it. I mean you know, there'll be a lot to learn about the movie. And even mm. all the movies that come out in the 2010s, you're like, did you realise Nicolas Cage did this film in 2016? Like, the fuck are you? What are you talking about? I've never yeah. heard of that in my life. Yeah. So, this this was paying off my tax bill, <laughs> starring in everything. Yeah. There's... But i got to give it to him, though. He will star in the whole fucking movie Whereas Bruce Willis will be like, I'm in it for two minutes and he's my stunt double or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is just the never ending debate. Of, and, you know, whoever, and I want to say, you know, it's been brought up on like my podcast of other sort of cage podcasts mm. as well. And the social medias and whoever started mm. this, what entity, what corporation, what person started the cage versus Willis narrative. Fuck you for how dare you besmirch the greatest actor of this generation and smear exactly. him with that uh with that there's no nonsense. bruce willis is on no nowhere near shouldn't even look at nicholas cage at this point like yeah. go fuck yourself bruce willis you were once good now you're shit yeah i mean you know okay it's it's one of those things you know bruce willis right fair enough die hard is great we all like the trilogy of die hard the, the four and five onwards forget about those never fuck. happened one, yeah, two, and three. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I think Mwah. I think it was once he <laughs> jumped onto a fucking fighter jet. You know what? Fuck off. Crawl through events and stick to what you're best at, Willis. Um, but, you know, Die Hard, great trilogy of action films, but he's been, um, you know, riding the goodwill of that film for far too mm. long. Now, sure, you know, and I realise I've just said this sucks, but I'm going into the comparison here because, you know, whatever. I'll flip the rules if I want to. That's what Cage does. <laughs> um, and we, we, we talked, you know, you mentioned it before, obviously, like Con Air. Sure, Cage could ride the wave of a Con Air, a face-off, um, uh, the rock, and he could have been a very comfortable action star, but that's not what he's all about. He's, no. he's you know, pushing the envelope. You never know what's going to come next. And, um, you know, I suspect that we're going to be on a very, very similar wavelength in this but yeah it's one of the things that i always appreciate about him that he's constantly surprising he's always doing new things obviously at the time of recording we're still waiting on um pig to come out the next yeah. cage film some you know little uh, sound bite reviews are coming out and it's the, a lot of people are saying this is cage back on form you know i don't see willis coming back on form oh know, he's willis. never coming back on any form like <laughs> has bruce willis even been nominated for an Oscar? I don't think so. Well, Nicolas uh, Cage has a fucking Oscar. He's got the. He's done the work. Okay. He's done. We the work. know he's fucking good, and he just continues to be good. That's it. I mean, and this is what I mean. And you exactly hit the nail on the head. Even in the, 
you know, the video on demand days, the the, mm. the the not as great cage films, for the most part. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned it before. Left behead, left behead. He might as well have beheaded me. Left he behind. Might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> left left Fuck, behind. Left we get. I can't. Like, I think it might still be. Like, I watched this film ages ago for an episode that's sort of due to come out. Uh, the fact that this film. And again, I don't know if it is now, but the fact that this film, that film, was actually on UK Netflix is was astounding to me. The fact that I didn't have to torrent it or work hard to find it, it was just there. Yeah. And I was so upset that I could watch it comfortably in my own home. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is wrong. This is fucking wrong. Um, and yet other films, you know, you know, better films like this, like The Frozen Grounds, um, yeah. which... So I actually picked up for a pound in like a secondhand um, oh. <laughs> store. So it was a, a actual steal. Um, I think it's steal. one of these cage films that, you know, you get a lot of films. I think, oh, that's fine. But this is one I'd probably... Cat. 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 <laughs> Just... Catalyst know, Cage, sit down. Know, Nick Catalyst Cage. Um, don't make <laughs> me full name you. Um, love scratching his posts when I'm talking here because he knows he's not getting attention. Um, yeah. But this is this is one that I was I would definitely watch again. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mm. it more than I, I thought I was going to. Um, yeah. I so said I didn't think it was necessarily a perfect film, and no. Um, but it was it was good. I mean, I was looking into mm. Scott Walker. This looks like to date the only thing outside of a 12 minute short called Auden's Forest that he's done wrote and directed mm. it um, but for his his first effort I thought it was pretty mm. decent and obviously we'll get more into the film as we yeah. go along but um, what what were your sort of thoughts on the film I suppose the first time you watched it in comparison to like a rewatch as well has it held up for you on repeated yeah views? yeah actually um, so when I did watch it I thought I was like oh this is really good like you know, because at that point, I think people were just like, oh, Nicolas Cage doesn't care. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Watch this movie. I'm like, he's really good in it. I'm like, so is John Cusack. I'm like, this is like, both of them are like really good. I'm like, this is a good, solid film. I was championing, uh, championing people to see this film. And I think I have ever since when people bring up like this kind of period of Nick Cage I'm like watch the frozen ground I'm like it's really good and even on my rewatch like my score for the film is still the same my thoughts are still exactly the same like I still think it's a really good film but again it kind of appeals to me in liking this kind of film like the the crime thriller type of thing with serial killers because I'm weird and whatever <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I, I just thought everything about it was very, very solid. Like, there, there's a few issues, but they're nothing major, but which we'll get into. But, yeah, I um, still stand by. This is a pretty good movie. And um, I was actually kind of surprised that one of the Australian streaming services actually had it on there. So I didn't have to go out and torrent it either. <laughs> Isn't it a strange surprise when you can just find a Nick Cage film in this yeah. day and age, no less? The, the, the thing is, there'll be the odd, like, maybe three or four Nick Cage movies on one streaming service. And I'm like, what is this? Why aren't they all on there? 
I pray for the day that one streaming service just picks up. It's just, Nick Cage. Just a Nick Cage section is all I'm asking for. I mean, I, I, I just want a Nick Cage streaming service. Uh, well, I think if like that's not something everything, to pitch, all his interviews, everything, every interview he's ever done, um, yes. every photograph he's been in. In some mm-hmm. ways, I feel like I'm an Alaska State Trooper trying to build a fucking case on him. Like, I want everything on this man. I want him in my office. Yeah. I want him in my office. I want it now. <laughs> I, I want him in my that. office without pants on. Thank you. I cannot stress <laughs> that enough. Um, because I, you know, um, I think we, we can all, we can all have our man crush. I think of me. Um, um, Nick Cage is there. I know I'm crushed on him a little bit. Henry Cavill as well. If for some oh, reason they both turn yeah. up on my doorstep and you know I'm like, through my sexuality and so like, uh, Daryl, I have to rail you right now. And I was like, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, do what you got to do. Go to town um, and throw mean, me in the fucking trash. Look, I, I would. I, I'm a sick individual. If Nick Cage and <laughs> and his son Weston showed up at my door, I'd be like, "So we're doing a double team? Yep, let's go." You are bringing in the whole family for for yeah, this one. It's a family affair. You keep it in the family, and I respect yeah. that. I absolutely. I mean, look, I'd, I'd do the same thing with Kurt and Wyatt Russell. Can't lie there. Yeah, fair. Mm. You know if. If we're talking about <laughs> father son duos to absolutely tag team us, then the Russells, the Cages, um, you know, why not? Absolutely, why not? If you want to get fucking Kal-El involved, fuck it, bring that weirdo along. Let's get involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's you know, it's a good thing that I describe my podcast as just a shit post, um, and this is why it's free. This is why it's free um, for fucking gold like this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I, uh, going into this film, um, I didn't realise it was sort of based on, like, a, a real a serial story, killer, yeah. a true story as well. Yeah, um, it's actually, um, look, before everybody was into true crime, like, every second podcast is true crime. Mm-hmm. Since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with serial killers, true crime. So this was actually something I knew about because I'd read about it, I'd watched stuff on it. Um, I feel like everyone's taking like all my interests and making them mainstream. I was a nerd when no one else was. I was a geek when no one else was. I was into true crime well before anyone else was. They've all (laughs) stolen it. But I was actually very familiar with um, this story. So, Hmm. yeah, sorry to cut you off. I'm a bitch like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, take the reins. Take the reins and true crime away. I think it's an yeah. interesting way to say, though, people, you know, there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there. They're taking your ideas. Cage podcast. I've yeah, taken no. your idea. You just took um, it, like. Just just took it and never looked back. Yeah. But, um, I suppose, like, <laughs> reading into, um, uh, this, this is Robert Hansen, who is known as uh, mm. the Butcher Baker, not a candlestick maker. Um, <laughs> has that has has that joke ever been made before? I don't know. Um he was an active serial killer between 71 and 83. Um, in mm. some ways, I think you can argue should be as infamous as the likes of, um, you know, Bundy. Oh, yeah. Um, this dude did some fucked up shit. Why does no one know about him? What the yeah, fuck? This guy's like, you know, insane. Like insane. The stuff that he did between 71 and 83 is just jaw-droppingly awful. But, you know, we don't oh, talk about him. God. Um, in the same sense again that we talked no, about, you don't. like he Dharma, does come Bondi, up, does he? yeah. Um, and you think 
and I can't believe I'm making this comparison, but if we're going to use, let's say, the Mount Rushmore of serial killers, I think there's a case for him to be number four. Um, oh, my goodness. This this man did horrific things. Like, how does he not get talked about? It's, it's crazy. Like, in, I, in the mainstream of serial killers. It's what crazy. Fuck? I didn't know about him until, like, two hours ago. Um, <laughs> See, there you go. You wouldn't have known about him. I know, and now my my day has been completely changed and now informed by the revelation of Hansen. Um, mm. So I said, American serial killer, active between 71 and 83, known in the media as the Butcher Baker. Um, because he was so, a baker. Because he was a baker. And, and he, he butchered. butchered. <laughs> See what they did there? Um, Clever. He... <laughs> People get paid for those brainstorms. Um, he abducted... Um, raped, murdered at least 17 women in and around mm. Anchorage, Alaska. Um, and as we see in the film, he took them out to the wilderness um, mm. and then he made them run and he hunted them with a semi-automatic rifle and a knife. Like, fucking insane. So what he did is basically like, you know, um, oh, I think of the movie, The Most Dangerous Game, where yes. the rich people, whatever they were, it's been a while since I've seen that one, They'd uh, abduct people and then put them out somewhere just to hunt them. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of thing. It's um, what was the other one like Hard Target with Van Dam? Um, they're surviving the game. There was recently the Hunt. I watched something else that had this freaking theme in it. Um, uh, I think it was Avenging Force from Canon Films had the same thing, whereas right wingers was <laughs> kidnapping like soldiers or something to go out and hunt them like this dude did shit that wasn't it that <laughs> they've taken that plot for movies basically it's fucked it's, up it's crazy if you literally i literally googled films where people are hunted uh screenrant.com literally has 15 people hunting movies to watch if you mm-hmm. liked the hunt um but it's the crazy thing was you know we've got these films that are based on that premise uh but this this actually happened and it makes me kind of mm. wonder how many of these films actually knew the story of yeah. Robert Hansen as well um so again hard target as you said there's mm. oh yeah, they had hunger games the running man uh, oh yeah the running man yeah yeah hunger games surviving the game battle royale and the most dangerous battle game royale. probably the most yeah. obvious example there i think i named most of those i think you ticked most of them off to be honest you know I mean, your people hunting films I don't um, watch people hunting films for research. <laughs> um, I mean, ooh. I'm from, you know, in, in Australia. We Adelaide hunt people all is, the time. Yeah, Adelaide is known as the serial killer serial killer capital of Australia. Um, you just love hunting people. You know, if I think of the, you know, it's a bit weird. Dare I say the Australian <laughs> stereotypes, uh, like the laziest ones you can think of. The Foster's Can, The Shrimp on the Barbie, The Hunting yeah. of the Human, a classic yeah. Australian stereotypes, then I'm not yeah. surprised. It's like, you better start running, mate. Um, that's what I think of start when I... running. Oh, man, that was like so so sinister <laughs> when you said it. Um, but it's... Yeah, when, you know, when you're from the serial killer capital of Australia, like... It takes a lot to surprise you and... Um, <laughs> When I you... mean, I've got stories, but that's for a different podcast. That's for the true crime podcast. 
Um, well, that's just for the Adelaide is a fucked up city. I like I left Adelaide, but for some reason the murders went down when I left. I don't know if that was interesting that. And now <laughs> we have and now we have on line two a police officer. Um <laughs> Damn it, he's tracked me down. Got you again. Um Damn it, I'm off to jail again. But, <laughs> again. Um but yeah, such such a crazy, crazy story and um, looking mm. into this, um, Nick Cage's character is Jack Halcombe, and he is based on retired Alaskan State Trooper Detective Glenn Flothy, mm. um, who was instrumental in the capture of Robert Hansen in the 80s. Um, and even just the story behind it is just um, interesting. So it kind of makes you think there was, I think, a lot of angles they could have taken with this film. Mm. For this one, they focus specifically on 83, like the, basically the final girls that were taken when he mm. was caught um, were kind of brought into this world. These murders have been happening for 11 years, 12 mm. years. Um, and now, and now the police care um, mm. because they didn't have cage on the case. Exactly. If they had, if they had cage there in 71, um, mm. Hansen's reign of terror would have been a lot, lot shorter as well. Mm. Um but it was, I think it's interesting. They don't really rely on the FBI too much in this film, but um, if you sort of know about the serial killer world, you may know the name. Mm. Uh, John Douglas, the famous FBI criminal profiler. Um, and if you've read the book Mindhunter, which is like an amazing book about how they came up with a serial killer terminology and how they profiled mm. people. I find it really interesting how they do this. And I don't know if this is something you've looked into, but how they can just build a profile based on this woman was stabbed in the back, therefore this mm. man has a stutter. And like, that's insane. How did yeah. you get there? It's how did all you get there? these minute little details. Like, it's insane. It, it's gotten to the point where I think I'm like the number one expert on everything. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I know who this pet is. I know who the killer is. Like, I can solve all these murders. Like, it's- let me have a crack at it. So I can just let you in. So um, give you like 10 minutes at a crime scene. Yeah. Give me some info. Marcy can probably work it out. And, um, yeah. Properly exactly. Columbo. Absolutely yeah. Columbo this shit. Yeah. I'd be like, look, I know he did it. Okay. I've just I've had a quick look. All right. This is your person. <laughs> I think, you know, I think though, if you're going to solve, I suppose it's the Columbo thing. He knows who did it from the start. He's just basically... Yeah toying with people because he's fucking sick yeah. um i feel like you'd, would you have a catchphrase like a sit like a um oh. a, a police officer catchphrase um i don't know i haven't thought about it so obviously columbus got I'm, like um you know, just one more thing that's been bothering me my wife loves you uh, let me fuck your wife you know the classic columbo <laughs> catchphrases um uh, honestly i'm not that smart to think of something that would be a pun even like i'd be like well you cunts are fucked. See ya. <laughs> I actually think that's actually quite solid. Um, I think if you came into the room, trench coat on, you're just smoking a yeah. cigar in the corner, and like, oh my god, that's Detective Marcy, and you just turn around, <laughs> you cunts are fucked. And I was like, shit, yeah. we are. Like, just arrest me now. I didn't even do it, but arrest me. Um, I just I think... surveil the room here, you fucking cunts. Yeah, all right, I did it. That's it. Like, all right, you're under arrest, mate. <laughs> you just you just you become even more Australian for some reason. For some um, reason, we 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 don't know why. Um, that's it's not important. 
It's not important, uh, the backstory. Um, just the closer you are to solving the case, the more Australian you become. The Australian, yeah. the Aussie meter just like flickers up yeah. and down. Once I solve the case, I'm like full bogan. <laughs> just full, you know, full off the scale. I don't know if you even know what a bogan is, but I've heard I've heard the term, <laughs> and I've only heard it on like Simpsons meme posting pages on Facebook. Yeah, um, they seem they seem to love. Like Bogan Homer. Um, you might have to educate me on what that is, though. Just so the last thing I want is like, <laughs> yes, Bogan. What, what um, do I call? What was like? I don't know. Just overly Australian is the best way I can say it. Like, if you want to know what a Bogan looks like or acts like, back in the nineties, the lovely Eric Banner was a comedian. Was on TV. He did a sketch show. He had a character called Poida, not right. Peter. It's Poida, and that was a bogan. He'd wear like uh, what? What do you call like thong shoes <laughs> over there? Flip flops. Flip flops. They're thongs. You'd wear right. those. You'd wear like really short little shorts, tank top, have a mullet be drinking some ridiculously cheap and nasty beer, have a cigarette in your hand. <laughs> the only way you talk to them, g'day, mate, what's going on? <laughs> no one fucking understands you. <laughs> I think I've, I've just, uh, Urban Diction, really. Um, also, Bogans are usually people of low socioeconomic status, live in That's cheap housing, say. drive yeah. old Holdens and Fords. Yeah. Um, Australian, New Zealand slang. For a person whose speech, clothing, and attitude and behaviour are considered unrefined or unsophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think about the equivalent. I mean, maybe a chav, but I feel like a bogan's got more attitude. Yeah, I feel like a chav is, it's kind of like, I think, on the similar wavelength, whereas they just are kind of different, but I'd say it's like, yeah, a chav equivalent, which I didn't know what a chav was for a long time. Then I looked it up. <laughs> Something seems, I don't know, maybe this is just my lack of knowledge of, um, you know, Australian culture. There seems something quite charming oh, about yeah. a bogan, though. I don't know oh. if I'm completely off, in, in, if I'm just wrong. I might just be wrong. Oh, no, bogans are, bogans are great. I, I love bogans. I mean. My brother is a massive bogan. He'd probably slap me upside the head for calling him one, but he is. I it's mean, I call, myself a, I call myself a bogan because I can... I'm very fucking Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Our conversation this thus far has proved that in uh, in spades. Um, so you know the first honorary bogan on the podcast. Yeah. What a, what a pleasure. What an honor. Breaking new ground every yeah. episode. I mean, I know you had um, Sean on your podcast, who's also from Melbourne, but he yes. sounds way so fucking sophisticated compared to me. I'm like, jeez, man. Bring it down, Sean, if you're listening. I'm like, interested. fuck, you're sophisticado, Sean. I'm like, fucking bogan, <laughs> fucking Aussie cunt, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the most uses of the word cunt that there's ever been for all the episodes. We're just like breaking new you. ground. <laughs> I think, you know, had to go in with a feeling. It could have been an eventuality, but again, no holds barred, really, on this on this yeah. podcast. I'm not, um, not going to bleep you, because even if I could, I don't know how. Um, so I can teach you the ways because I had to bleep myself out only the once, which is a podcast that's coming out soon. 
look at that look at that just breaking new ground yeah, throughout, all, throughout all of this here um so in many ways you would be you know the bogan detective you cunts are fucked which i think is just yeah. a wonderful idea for any australian networks listening to get onto that um yeah. before marcy doesn't do it and then four years comes for you someone on Twitter. else yeah you were like right marcy you didn't do it i'm taking over i'm gonna get you you know, you've got to stop having those four-year lulls, honestly, because then jokers like me step up to the plate. Exactly. But then um, I get to be best friends with people like you. <laughs> it works out. It works out for the best in the end. Um, but, but back to Nicolas say, Cage. Back to Nicolas Cage. Who would be tangent. my uh, partner Ooh, in, bo- in solving crimes, Bogan Nicolas Cage. This has to happen. Do you, but, have you know a... what? I'm writing this movie. Now I need your impression. <laughs> I was trying to think, was, would there be an, an Australian Nicolas Cage accent? Um, can I have a can of Foster's, mate? I, I don't know. <laughs> I want some Foster's. No, I can't do it. I can't even do a Nick Cage it, impression at this point. It just, <laughs> just, just feels like I'm trying to do the impression of an Australian who has asthma. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know what that what that's all about. Um, much me, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, but again, Cage playing Glenn Flothy. Um, mm. So it turns out Glenn Flothy actually contributed to the script as well. Um, Scott Walker approached Glenn to hear this mm. story from his uh, from his perspective, uh, and they both agreed that the film should be. Um, presenting the victims, the pain of the victims, mm. rather than glorifying the killer, which I think yeah. I think you can tell that's what they were going for. Oh yeah, it's um, that's what I really found interesting because you will find other like serial killer or killer films where they really show and yeah, almost glorify the villain when they shouldn't be it's like you kind of forget there's victims who are fucked up from this and this film really focuses on like who this man targeted and for someone who gets away like what that reality of living with this is like it's it's fucked up and it's it's kind of respectful um in showing these things like it's not gratuitous in showing what he does to the victims which i think it was important like you know in the in a film say like the, the snowtown murders where it's very graphic but this you know that's a different kind of film which i also think is excellent but that film is meant to kind of repulse you and show you just how horrific these, you know, people were and in what they did to these poor people. That I think is one end of how you can show things. But I think here in, in not actually being very graphic with it, I think hits very hard and, it's more refined and I think that just shows how much he wanted to um, kind of have that focus on the victims rather than what the crime was, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was 
um, a lot more grounded, frozen mm. grounded, um, mm. than I was um, expecting it to be. Mm. The, the film, you know, again, this is the, um, the end of the reign of terror of Robert Hansen, and we only see him um, in the process of one of his kills, because mm. um, at the point, again, like the, the police are on to him, and um, it's kind of the net is closing in. Um but even then, though, with the kill that they show, um, I think it was it was Debbie, some Debbie Peters. I could be wrong. Who I don't know if that was the real the victim in real life. Um, I know they changed the character name of Glenn Flothy in this to Jack Halcombe. Um, again, mm. um, Glenn Flothy just being a really nice guy, just saying that um, he didn't want his film to use his name. He didn't want the film to use his name um, because he said, "I'm just doing my job. If you don't need to put me yeah. in the film or glorify me." Mm. Um, he said. Um, Scott Walker said of the meeting, um, the last thing he said to me was, I'll help you with anything you want, but the reality is, from my perspective, is that I'm not the hero. Cindy Paulson is the hero, and you need mm. to find her. Um, and it's like Vanessa Hudgens did spend a weekend with the real Cindy Paulson to get mm. her know about her head of filming. Um, but again, as I was saying, we only see the one kill, and it's this process of... Um, he's been going after sex workers and sort of younger girls who he felt mm. people weren't going to miss. Yeah. Um, and he lures them in under the idea that um, they're going to get $200, $300 for a photo shoot or basically mm. the solicitation of a sexual act for some money. Mm. Um, and then he abducts them, sort of chains them up in his um, in his house. Obviously, he sort of sexually abuses them, then takes them out on his plane and then hunts them down and shoots them mm. with a rifle. So it's just... This horribly drawn out process, just mm. abducting these women, abusing them, and then the, the last thing they they know is they're terrified and running, and then yeah. they're shot. It's um, really spine chilling mm. to, to think about. So um, I think it's one of these things. I, I thought we were possibly going to see, um, I guess, more of his process, but I think it, it almost was that sort of Columbo thing with this film, where obviously you know. We know who the good guys are. We know who the mm. bad guy is. It's just this um, very much good versus evil affair of um, mm. what, how, when will he be caught? How will he be caught? Will he be caught? Um, so I could definitely see what they were what they were mm. doing with it. Um, I mean, for, for yourself, did you do you sort of think that approach worked? The social like the end of days of of Hanson, or would you have wanted to see? I don't know, maybe like more of a, a, a spread out of time between 71 and 83, maybe more of the, the kills in the process, or do you think it was fine where it was being sort of stuck in that one time frame? Yeah, no, I think they kind of went about it the right way because I don't think you want to sit through a movie where you just continuously watch this man kill people over the years. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, a, a lot of the times people will do horrific things and you kind of want to know why, what what makes this person tick. But I think at the end of the day, something just switches off within a person that they can do these horrific things. Did What was his reason? It probably excited him. He's just fucked up. I don't think yeah. I really needed that to go with it. Like, I think we just get the idea, like, this is a fucked up cunt of a person. And I, I think it is um, interesting how they kind of show little bits of him and we sort of get more from um, uh, the Cindy character 
and it, it being, you know, primarily her kind of story because she was the one who got away and, you know, she's so young, like 18, she was 17 when this happened. You know, it's horrible and it's this kind of, um, you know, downward spiral for her um, until, you know, Cage kind of is like, oh, we need to find her and find out what's going on. Da, 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 da. I think, you know, it works fine as as they kind of told it, I guess. Yeah. I, I almost forgot what I was fucking talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It made sense to listen to if that's of any uh, any oh, consolation yeah. for you. <laughs> um, but I think I think as I mentioned earlier, I was I think I appreciate the kind. I guess they had with stuff like this. I suppose you, there are mm. certain elements. I guess you have to change um, mm. unless you're going for the you know the true crime documentary. So I think they said yeah. that Cage's character was an amalgamation of a few different people. Mm. Um, he said he was trying to um, sort of capture the spirit of the Alaskan police. Um, mm. There was a feature on the Blu-ray where it's basically a, a sort of like an interviewee featurette thing mm. about the making of the film. One of his direct quotes um, in, in the film was, I was proudly wanting to be the face of the trooper of Alaska in a movie, which I think is so weird, you know, because sometimes, if you've heard this as well, the reason that Cage describes of wanting to take certain films, yeah, like the idea is like, I'm specifically looking for a role of not just any state trooper, has yeah. to be Alaskan, has to be Alaskan. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. Um, obviously, we drive angry in season, the witch is like, I want a movie where someone shoots my eye out. He, he just has these re- <laughs> weird reasons for wanting to do films. Yeah. Like USS Indianapolis, he was like, I want to do a film at sea, which that's fine in of itself. But mm. when you want to be a very specific part of the police, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I guess if you want to be a detective or like, oh, the rookie cop or something, you know, or the, uh, you know, the, the renegade cowboy who plays by his own rules, that's fine. Mm. But I, I don't like, know a lot. Specific. <laughs> so I don't you know a lot about Alaska. want to play an Alaskan Alaska. trooper and it has to be this one. It has to be specifically Glenn Flothy. Let me kiss him on the mouth and see why yeah. he starts. Um, like, I don't know a lot about Alaska. I don't really know my US geography. And I'm, I'm, Alaska's, I think it's from the film, obviously a lot of mountainous area, a lot of wilderness mm. and forest. Lovely place to kill women, apparently. Apparently. Because um, <laughs> it's kind of like isolated-ish. And yeah. I, I think um, I, w- I was reading up... Um, just you know about the film after I rewatched it that the director kind of um delayed shooting because he wanted to shoot this the film where it got progressively more cold and snowy and frozen and I mm. found that like that's dedication um you know I do know a few people from Alaska but I might have to ask them <laughs> is it really isolated can you go out and just hunt people I need to know these things yeah, these are the questions like, yeah. you know, not that I'm in the market for a hunting ground, but if no. I were, um, what's got the most open terrain, least likely to find DNA, most likely for a bear to eat a corpse, um, as apparently bears tend to do. And from the film as well, apparently uh, moose just roam through the streets yeah, um, as well. Um, or I don't Which know if there's a, a singular... amazing uh, scene though. It's just so beautifully like shot. With Just the moose, beautiful symbolic moose in an in an alleyway. Mm. I don't know if if the singular of moose is moose or if it's 
Meese. Meese. I, I don't know, like Moose. Uh, I, I was I was kind of disappointed, and I guess if anybody has ever seen my Twitter account, um, you know, a moose shows up in this town, but why wasn't it John Travolta as Moose from The Fanatic? That would have been incredible, but I'll if shut he, up he... about The Fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Just takes the moose head off like, I've got you. Um, <laughs> would have been very meta. Um, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely shot, that just that, that free moose. I suppose you get some of that imagery of, um, mm. I suppose when Hansen's watching TV, he's watching like, that crocodile jump out and get that gazelle, and he's got obviously his trophy room and all the animal heads mm. around, and I suppose there's almost this idea of, um, or my reading of it anyway, of um, the, these elements of like freeness within this city, mm. but we still feel captured. Obviously, Cindy is, um, oh, she's got a, a, a madman out there who... She's the only survivor that we know of. He's looking for her. She's mm. sort of caught in this world of like prostitution. Fifty Cent is her pimp. Yeah, um, I was about to say Fifty Cent for some reason is her pimp. <laughs> Fifty the Cent rocks up. Shit? He's got straightened hair, a leather yeah. jacket. He's a pimp. Um, I th- yep. Apparently, he produced on the film as well. Um, old Curtis Jackson, mm. um, and his. And this is this is something I wanted to come to as well, and we'll go back to Vanessa Hudgens sort of momentarily. But um, this kind of like I don't know B C story of um, he is her pimp, you know, he's putting her back out to work, but then the sort of a crossover with I think his his character's name is Clayt, but then Robert Hansen eventually finds a guy called Carl who he hires to hunt Cindy down mm. at the end because he's trying to find her. Basically, she is the key piece of evidence that can yeah. sort of um, bring him down because um, yeah. throughout the film, Halcom has a suspicion it's him when he starts piecing mm. the puzzle together, but all the evidence is circumstantial. Mm. It's weak. It's not enough for the DA to present a warrant. Yeah, they're just um, like, no, what the fuck? We don't have anything here. And he's like, but this man's did it, did it, my God. It's like, <laughs> like my God. Like, this man is, um, you know, there's just a lot of things that are not mm. adding up about this guy, but they're like, this guy's a pillar of the community. He mm. bakes bread. He bakes loaves. He can use one of those squeezy bags for icing. God damn it. Mm. Why would we arrest this man? <laughs> um, but then... He hires a guy who seems to be a patron of the bar um, mm. to called Carl to hunt down Cindy. And then there's a weird thing where for about 10 minutes she's been hunted down by fucking Dog the Bounty Hunter for some reason. Yeah. I was like, I was, I kind of took a minute and I was like, this is weird, right? This is a weird tangent this film has gone on. Like mm, they have, a little bit. At this point, <laughs> they, <laughs> they had Hanson in, in, in prison whilst they were questioning him. Mm. and holding him whilst the second house search yeah. was going on and then she's been hunted by a fucking renegade bounty hunter yeah. um because he's carl has said to clay that if you bring cindy to me i'll wipe your debts clean it's like yeah. there's a whole other fucking story here with clay there and is carl. it's like okay well this pimp is a bit of a shit pimp if he owes money so that's literally the opposite of what pimps do yeah like, you're supposed to take as... everyone else's money mate what are you as far doing? As I'm I've never, never been a pimp. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Um, I don't but, think I have either. Uh, you know, we're both going to take very awkward yeah. sips, sips of I'm our drunk. drinks there. Mm. Um, but then there's just a weird chase scene throughout a motel, mm. um, and then 
Cage and his, um, I think it's uh, Vice Sergeant, the Sergeant or Detective of Vice, John Gentile, yeah, played by Michael McGrady. They yeah. save her, and then Carl just runs off, never seen again in the film. They don't yeah. know anything. So it's just a weird... It is so weird. ...tangent. Um, <laughs> I suppose it's one of these things about this film that I, I guess, not necessarily had an issue with. Mm. I think I... I guess I kind of went into it thinking there would be a bit more drama than mm. what we got. I mean, again, as we said, I understand what they were doing and the, mm. the uh, perspective they were trying to show this film mm. from. Um, but I, I thought there was going to be, I guess, more escalation, more tension, and it kind of, um, you know, I, th- I like the scenes we got of Cusack and Cage together. Mm. I thought there might have been some more, like, cat and mouse back and mm. forth. But it kind of like plateaued and kind of hit a level mm. towards the end where I suppose, you know, if you look into it, true story, you know that he got caught. Yeah. You know he spent, um, as the, the movie says at the end, 461, 91 years plus Something life. Something like that, yeah. Um, where he died in prison, thankfully. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know, it kind of felt to me like the film was kind of just playing for time at the end a little bit. Mm. Um, I think that whole Clay Cole thing if they cut all that out, or if even if the pimp stuff was still there, it's like, okay, she's got a pimp, right? There's a bit of mm. extra contact to what she's going through. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but some bits that didn't need to be there. Um, yeah. Would you, would you have taken those bits out as well? Or do you think, you know, let's have a Carl it. spin-off? No, I would have changed it a little bit. Like, not to the extent that they had it in there, but just enough that we sort of get the idea that why she's you know running that she doesn't want to be under this pimp you know but I don't think we needed this whole thing that and I was like what the fuck so (laughs) the pimp owes money to someone somehow John Cusack's character knows some other dude that can blackmail the pimp to get the girl what the fuck is this it's a bit much (laughs) Yeah, there's a, be a kind a lot of, of like police procedural type of you know movie. It's like what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's like there's some connections in here that I could have, you know, if we're gonna have it in the film, I think yeah. you could have given me like at least a line or two of context there because I feel mm. like this man has got <laughs> this killer has got a lot of connections, which apparently. Considering <laughs> he's supposed to be you know one of the one of the town's most beloved. Uh, mm. residents um he he's doing a lot shady. of shady shit and that's not even the killing of people <laughs> <laughs> the most shady thing the things he does is like one yeah. is that quite frankly neglect for his business pops in takes a loaf and leaves <laughs> um and the amount of time he fre- he frequents um the local stripper bar as well yeah, right. um and i kind of yeah, felt I, I suppose both for um John Cusack's character, Nicholas Cage's character as well, with their family lives, both of the you know the actresses who play their wives are kind of just woefully underserved in this, because I think um, Nick Cage's wife, who is kind of relegated to just the bitchy wife, she's just, just there. She's just there. Yeah. And like one of the two scenes she gets, she's like, yeah, like Halcom's trying to take care of cindy's mm. like, like like we're just having it for one night i've got to keep her safe and she's like no get out of the house and that's all she does yeah it was so rude i'm like don't you have any sympathy for this yeah, poor woman <laughs> and uh, uh, 
you know, I, I, I think I had forgotten that it's Rada Mitchell. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just a bit of an Aussie connection there. I know a little Aussie connection. And I, I brought up her Wikipedia page. And again, maybe this is me, but just not knowing enough about Australian actors. But it seems like if you have any kind of Australian actor who's now in any kind of, let's say, American film, there's a mm. 75% chance they were at one point in Neighbours, as Rada Mitchell was <laughs> um, <laughs> in the first paragraph of her Wikipedia page. Oh, sweetie, um, I still watch Neighbours. I think I've watched... I, I've, I don't really sort of do the soap, the soaps, but it was... That's my only soap, is Neighbours. <laughs> I've watched it since I was like a kid. <laughs> we we have it over here, but it's just, you know, we get like, so like over here, an EastEnders or a Coronation Street at like yeah, six, seven, eight o'clock, but Neighbours, yeah. they put on at like fucking 10 o'clock in the morning over here. It's really early viewing. Yeah, what the hell is like, that? It's like, it's my 6.30 evening. It's like, something fuck, like I don't care what I'm doing. I'm watching Neighbours. <laughs> um, see if we get neighbors. I, I don't know. Is Home and Away still a thing? Is that? Is I that don't. I haven't there? watched it since Melissa George was on that show, but it's still on apparently. I, again, I don't know which well, one this was. If it was Neighbors or Home and Away, I just know there was a, a character called Toadfish at one point. That was Neighbors. He's still on it, by the way. Oh, represent Toadfish. Go on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's get Let's get Toadfish and Nicolas Cage working together. Why not? Oh, why Brand- not? I Brand mean, out, if if Toadfish can have a scene with fucking Dave Batista on Neighbours, anything's possible. Yes, Batista, go on, doing doing bits, doing <laughs> Neighbours fucking cameos, baby. Neighbours cameos. Um, I suppose. Well, I guess slightly more than a cameo, but you know, other actors we get in this. Yeah, Dean Norris, he's in here as well. I forgot he was in this as well. <laughs> Who's? He's he's like he's just fucking Hank Schrader and everything. Let's be honest, he he's is, just isn't quintessentially he? <laughs> Dean Norris in everything, um, but just less wise cracking. That's the main the it's main a bit more difference. Serious here, we'll a bit more, <laughs> a bit a bit more serious. Mm. Um, and I suppose going back to Vanessa Hudgens as mm. well, I, I will say because you know I'm not. Um, I think like most of the population of the planet. I mostly know Vanessa Hudgens for um, you know your high school musicals. Yeah, um, I have to say I was really impressed with her performance. I thought Absolutely. she was great. I thought she's she was great. Fantastic. I think she's the heart and soul of this film, um, and especially the the scenes that she shares with Cage are so strong. Like you can tell, mm-hmm. like he was putting in everything he had, and so was she, and. After I saw this, I'm like, people, you have to see Vanessa Hudgens. Like, forget the high school musical crap. Like, she's a fucking good actress. Like, she went all in. And Mm. I guess she was trying to kind of, you know, change that image of herself. Like, she's not the sweet, innocent teen, which is now, you know, as they do, go play, you know, a stripper or a prostitute. I don't know what correct terms are these days, sex worker. I don't want to offend anyone by using these words. I'll say cunt and whatever, but I don't want to get terminology <laughs> wrong. But, um, you know, trying to shed that image, I, I guess. But it's not just like her being sexy or anything like that. She's playing somebody who uh, is so very troubled and traumatised. And I think she captured all of that. And, 
you know, as well as, you know, having people taking advantage of her, like the the lady who brings her in to the strip club is like, here, have some crack. It's like this poor yeah. fucking girl. And she absolutely fantastic in this movie. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's sort of, an, I guess, not so much a newfound respect, um, but just a new, I guess, certainly a new appreciation mm. for Vanessa Hudgens because um, I think I don't, I don't really know acting wise. I guess what I was expecting from this, I thought Cusack was going to be solid. Um, mm. This is one of those films, I suppose, from a Cage perspective, where I think there was moments where I was, I kind of, you kind of brace yourself for that Cageism, that 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 overreaction, yeah. that scream. And there were one or two points where I kind of thought, oh, it's coming, it's coming. But it didn't. He was very grounded and gave so a real grounded, performance yeah. in this. And as you said, Vanessa Hudgens fucking stole it for me. Mm. Like so, so good. Mm. Um, so it's a real shame, obviously. I guess again, going back to like America, that this just didn't get released yeah, in America. Nobody really. saw this. I know it really and I'm like, it, underperformed. You know, I was really championing this film. I'm like, it's actually really, really good. Like Vanessa Hudgens is great. I'm like, it's very different for for Cage because he's He's dialed it down, but it's still a really strong performance. And I'm like, John Cusack is fucking creepy as fuck. Like, I'm just sitting there going, I need a shower because you're all grimy and creepy and And, you know, I know people will say whatever they want to say about John Cusack. Like, you know, again, doing sort of smaller films, direct-to-video stuff, but He's always been a very solid actor. And when he plays a more villainous type of role, I like to see him in that because he really, he goes all in, but he plays it the right way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. When these two are together, like the sheet, the sheens, the, there's no sheens in this movie. The scenes they share are so strong and the way they kind of played off each other, I think, just worked so well. But if you're expecting, like, Cage being very ragey, he's not. This is yeah. this is Cage where he's had a few fucking Xanax or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I think exactly what you said for Cusack as well. Um I, I will say, you know, I was so fucking sold by his performance. Mm. I was like, um, and obviously you only you see, you know, again, as I said, this is the tail end. Like, we know what it's capable mm. of. But even that, with what was presented, like, I was like, this guy's creepy as fuck. Like, I'm yeah. sold. Like, I get it. And part of me is like, you know, I, I kind of want this guy to be caught. Um, yeah. I kind of want Cage to get his, to get his man here. Um, Nail that par- son, bitch. <laughs> Nail that son, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, apparently uh, Cusack was a bit reluctant to take the role because it was of the dark subject matter. Yeah. I did read that it was offered to Cage as well, but um, did they both sort of sort of settled on their uh, mm. on their roles as well? Well, we know um, Cage wanted to be an Alaskan freaking cop or whatever. Uh, so yeah, this it's like this <laughs> film was written with him in mind. Yeah. Um, I suppose going back to what we were saying then, obviously this being a true story, mm. um, it looked like say the writer and director Scott Walker didn't know about Hanson either. He wrote a fictional script mm. about a hunter and the um, obsession of said hunter, but he showed it to a colleague 
and the colleague happened to be serial killer savvy and said this is very similar to the the robert mm. hansen case um so he kind of you know took it, it on from, from there, there. Yeah. and then it started gaining um a lot of traction um and then mm. we get here and i kind of think it's you know a shame like i say it's not um a perfect film it's mm. it's perfectly watchable a lot of it maybe you can argue is a bit by the book we know this kind of very procedural yeah it is a little bit effort. yeah it's very that's i think rereading like my review from when this came out i said it one of the sort of flaws is a, maybe a little bit too procedural at times but i think when it steps away from that and we're really focused on the characters and cindy and stuff it's it feels very different from from that kind of stuff and you really you know it really hits hard because you get to know the characters and you know well she's probably more like I guess the main focus the parts we do get with Cage and Cusack I think it's the right amount of screen time I think the less you kind of have with Cusack as this killer works in its favor because yeah. he is just so unsettling and I, I can understand like he may have had apprehensions about playing some something based on someone real that did these horrible things but I think in looking at the way this film is written um it doesn't glorify him at all it shows him for the monster that he was and mm-hmm. again, it really gave this voice to the victims, which I think definitely works highly in its favour. And I think it's something some other films kind of forget about where they're more sort of exploitation-y type, whereas this is not at all. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just going off of my tangents. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I sound like... smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> if I talk long enough, something will stick. Um, but no, I I completely agree though. I think, Yay. as we've said, you know, I think this film was written respectfully. I think it was made respectfully. They knew they wanted this to be focused on the victims, so I think they definitely achieved what they, so I guess, morally and ethically set out to do. And I think it's very admirable because, like I said, this could have very easily been very exploitative and focused on the kills and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, I suppose maybe this is, I guess, me you know, having watched like series like Mindhunter and stuff and having read the Mindhunter book. Um, and I suppose not to sort of waste, you know, the other actors that we had. I suppose maybe in a way I would have liked to sin if it was relevant to the story, I suppose, more of the home lives of both to get mm. more of that contrast because you get that one little hint of um, Cusack with his wife mm. in the home. Like, say, like, oh, we do, I think it was like, oh, we do like Thanksgiving dinner. He's like, like, no, we've got plans and sort of like he like, hits his plate. And we get like a hint of that sort of anger bubbling mm. over. I think would have liked to see more of that. Yeah. And I suppose, again, not to go too cliche, but, you know, mm. how that case affects the detective because mm. his wife was fine with it. And she's like, don't you dare bring that woman home. And yeah, like, what the fuck oh. was that? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and then the next one, he was like, oh, yeah, we've, we've got him arrested. And then she's like, that's my little detective and pinching his cheek. And I was like, pick a side. What? Are you, are you with him? Are you with him, with him or not? Um, but I've, I've read as well that apparently, um, I don't know how true this is, but apparently Brie Larson auditioned for the role of Cindy Paulson, but 
allegedly overdid her, her audition scene <laughs> to the point she scared the casting director. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so that, that was interesting. And more recently, I suppose, in terms of this film, and I suppose the wonder of streaming in the modern age, mm. um, IGN released an article in September 2020 for Netflix US detailing how Frozen Ground had been, um, you know, obviously not really seen in America when it released mm. in 2013, but then it released in Netflix in the US in the last week of August, and then soon found itself as like the number one streamed film of the week as well. Oh, so, awesome. That's um, awesome. So, so I it should be. Smurfs. Exactly. Hmm. Nicholas Cage should always be number one. I think that guy He should be number say. one like every time. I don't care. <laughs> like he hasn't released a fucking hit song. I don't care. He should have the number one hit song. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the interesting contrast for Netflix at that point, it's like the number one movie was for that week was The Frozen Ground and the number mm. one series was Cobra Kai. So people were just watching a detective thriller and also mm. kids doing roundhouses. So yeah. America has spoken. That's what it wants, people. That's what America <laughs> wants. Apparently. So if you can apparently, if you can combine like a roundhouse kicking child detective, yeah, apparently maybe. you've got you've got a hit on your hand. Or the mm. Australian detective, obviously. Yeah. Um so I suppose God bless Netflix and streaming services for mm. representing us with yeah. uh, with Nicholas Cage. Um but I suppose as we sort of um come to the end of this episode here and i think we've you know we've covered a lot of frozen ground um, oh! <laughs> this guy zing 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 Zang. um again i think i i enjoyed this film a lot more than i thought i was going to um rotten tomatoes giving it 61 percent. i think he's a fair fair rate i think i think this is a kind of if i was going to rate it like a six six point five generous out of 10 kind of film yeah my Perfectly serviceable yeah my, I, I rate out of five so i gave it three and a half out of five i think i think i think very sort of a very fair rating but i think um so. <laughs> i think so i wrote it god damn it mm. um but i suppose as we sort of wrap up here i guess what what were your sort of final thoughts then i suppose on um on frozen ground well yeah i think people if you haven't seen it check it out it's I think genuinely it is a really good film. It's got a very different Nick Cage than you might think. He's not over the top. It's more uh, he's taken some Xanax kind of approach, but I think it really works. There's some really strong scenes. Again, Vanessa Hudgens is fantastic. And I think it is one of the sort of better, like, serial killer type films you'll see because it takes the focus away from who the killer is and puts more focus on on the victims the survivor and you know sort of like the people that are trying to you know track him down work on this case as it's kind of like you know he's been killing people for like 10 years at the point where we you know get to it so I think it's a damn fine film not the best but it's damn fine absolutely I think damn fine sums it up really really well <laughs> um you know much better than i thought it was gonna be it's mm. another enjoyable outing for the the, the team of cage and cusack and would love to see them work together again they and should. on that note it's you know i'd love to see uh cage and vanessa hudgens work together again yeah, great yeah. chemistry lovely rapport mm. um that's a, it's a very I, father daughter type yeah um you yeah. know sort of chemistry there and 
Yeah. So good together. It was really good. It's a pairing I didn't think I was going to enjoy as mm. much as I did. And I would love to see more of it. And I think this mm. film, The Frozen Grounds, I'm very happy that I've, I've seen it. And yeah. I think when we talk about, I think, underappreciated mm. cage flicks, I think this definitely has to go into the conversation. Um, mm. You know, I think it, you can argue it goes up there. So with the likes of... um like a Joe, a Red Rock West. It's a great cage film that mm. not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it does the rounds again on streaming services mm. very soon. Um, Absolutely. But with, with that all being said, and as we wrap up here, um, Marcy, super Marcy, of course, thank you so much oh. for joining me on the journey to true cage Nirvana. We will do this again at some point. You better believe it. Yes, um, we will, damn it. <laughs> I mean... Before, uh, once you finish kind of like, you know, taking the deep dives into the Cage movies, then we got to go back and do like audio commentaries for all the films he stars in. Mm, You're going to need a partner along the way. <laughs> An interesting proposal. I'll have my people talk to your people. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for the listeners, uh, where can we find you on the socials? Oh, I'm everywhere. So look, if you want to check out if you've never heard of me, how dare you, but that's another story. Uh, I do film reviews. I do podcasts. It's all at supermarcy.com, which is S-U-P-E-R-M-A-R-C-E-Y, which is where you can find me on the Twitters and you can look up the Super Network on your Facebooks and Twitters and Instagrams and TikToks and, yeah, it's all there. And, um, yeah, I'll just shout out some of the podcasts I do, which is many. I've got the Super Podcast, because Super is super awesome. The To Be Tuesdays podcast, which is we do audio commentaries for random movies we find on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. Uh, the King Zone podcast, which is all about Stephen King adaptations. I have so many podcasts, I don't remember. The the Osploit cast, which is a podcast doing the deep dive into Osploitation cinema from the very beginning till whenever we stop making movies and podcasters of horror which is a podcast about horror anthologies and uh and then i have my personal podcast which is a <laughs> patreon exclusive um because you know we run a patreon and we want it to be the most awesomest thing ever so i do a very adult orientated podcast for my patreon to appeal to the perverts out there so there we go <laughs> Ooh, I was long-winded, but there we are. <laughs> so, you know, almost as many podcasts as Cage has films, um, yeah. so more than enough to get stuck into. Yeah, I mean, he course. did like 20,000 films last week alone. In the last hour, actually. <laughs> um, all the links in the description down below. But again, thank you very much to Super Marcy for joining me. Thank, thank you for listening. If you have been, we will see you in the next one. But until then, and as ever, keep on, keep on caging. That's all you have to do. Thank you, take care, and good luck.